Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I've been off the air a couple of days, and uh, it gave me some time um, to digest this story of uh, the invasion of um, Israel by Hamas, a terrorist organization. Um, and just the pictures and the stories that I've been hearing uh, are just almost too much um, to take in. and. I really needed a couple of days to digest this and to to realize what was going on. And as a 9-11 first responder, uh, I did a show very recently with FBI agent Bobby Chacon. And I take this very seriously because not only is Israel a uh, ally of the United States and we will always protect Israel, but the barbarism that went on during this raid, I don't see how anyone in this world can justify what occurred. And I think that just like the Holocaust under Adolf Hitler, people have to speak out. People throughout the world have to be outraged about what occurred. However, in some way, there's people speaking out against Israel. This is the country that was attacked. And I don't even are some of our higher institutions, our institutions of higher learning, Harvard, the bastion of liberalism and of entitlement. Organizations on that campus had the nerve to speak out against. Israel and and back terrorists. These children of great great wealth, most of them, going to this elite university that speaks out against all kinds of things at all times, and now they speak out against atrocities, and they're on the wrong side of history, and yet they took their administration days to speak out against this. I find that really disheartening. And I find even in our country, many people are on the wrong side of this. And look, that's why we're a free country. However, when I think about, go back to 9-11, we were attacked by terrorists who justified what they did to the World Trade Center, what they did to the Pentagon how they attacked innocent people at work. And probably back then, December, you know, uh, September 11th, 2001, there were some nutcases in our country that spoke, that supported the terrorists. And I'm, there's going to be them. Yeah, there were some in, in neighborhoods of, our, of uh, surrounding New York City or in New Jersey that actually rejoiced at the fact. So there's always going to be some sickos. But I just... I cannot understand this. I think that, uh, you know, this this picture here uh, that's on the screen of these terrorists flying into a music festival where young people were enjoying themselves and they brought in death from above. You know, here they are. Here's a single one of them right there shooting at people on the ground just outrageous how anyone could say that that's that's a war no that you don't kill purposely kill civilians 
helpless civilians at a war in a war. You don't do that. But yet there are people in our country and people throughout the world that are think this is okay. How about this poor woman here? And I have no idea what happened to her. Fleeing for her life as terrorists are flying on motorized gliders into a music festival. You know? Just just take a look at that. Digest that. Digest this, right? If the Geneva Convention says that a paratrooper or a, a, a vehicle like this coming from the air, that the rules of war, you're not allowed to shoot them from the ground. However, you know something? I think they would have to change the rules of war with this, something like this we've never seen before. Coming from above to a music festival where they slaughtered 250 concert goers. And yet there are those in our country, even in our own government, that refuse to speak out against this. Is this the America that you grew up in? This is not the America I grew up in. But it's slowly turning into an America that I don't recognize, you know. And it's just purely, it's pure when we talk about good and evil. That, that was pure evil. And there's sometimes people in the chat that says, there's no such thing as evil. This is evil, all right? This is this is evil. What you're seeing on that screen right there, that's evil. And if you don't think it is, then maybe you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. You should go somewhere else because that's evil to me. You know, folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Hang on to your hat, as I always say because you're about to come into the police off the cuff, real crime, true crime. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael Biden. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. We're back, folks. You know, it's just a, a such a somber, somber occasion. Uh, when you realize that things like this can happen in this world and the response to it is not 100% outrage, as in my mind it should be, you know, 100% uh, outrage. The New York Times wrote an editorial uh on um, on the 9th. I'm going to read a little bit of it. The brutal terrorist attack on Israel by Hamas is a tragedy, one that may change the course of the nation and the entire region. Israelis are reeling in shock over the toll of people killed, wounded and taken hostage, and the world is mourning with them. The militants killed more than 800 Israelis in a series of coordinated rocket attacks and continued fighting. 
To the world's horror, they attacked civilians, including older people, women, and children, and took them hostage. More than 150 people remain captive in Gaza in a further atrocity. The attack was a tragic and painful reminder of how vulnerable Israel has been and continues to be at a time of rising global anti-Semitism. The terrorists burst through border fences without warning or any immediate provocation, landed on Israeli beaches and fired thousands of rockets into Israel early on Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath and a Jewish holiday. Many Israelis have called this attack their 9-11. Hamas struck Israel 50 years and one day after the surprise invasion from Egypt and Syria that launched the Yom Kippur War of 1973, prompting comparisons with one of the major battles of the Arab-Israeli conflict. But this time, the attackers were not Arab armies against military targets. They were militants from a Palestinian enclave randomly terrorizing civilians, and this attack was organized by armed groups that have long questioned Israel's right to exist. Israel responded to this aggression with strikes in Gaza, killing at least 687 Palestinians so far. And Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned Israel at least that this will be a long war. President Biden is right to express America's full support for Israel at this painful moment. The United States, as its closest ally, has a critical role to play. Moderate Israeli opposition leaders said they were prepared to join Mr. Netanyahu in an emergency government. I'm not going to read the whole thing, folks, but you, you catch the drift, you catch the idea. And again, as I said, I believe, I firmly do believe that the whole world should be outraged by this. And guess what? The whole world is not. The whole world is reacting in different ways. And I find that somewhat despicable, you know, that the whole world is not 100% uh, organized and outraged for these attacks, for these terrorists, let's call them what they are, terrorist attacks. That's what we need to call them, not just an attack, because that implies, that it would imply an attack on a country against their soldiers, against their military. No, this this is an attack against civilians. Uh, this is an attack against humanity. This is an attack against everything that's good in this world. And again, as I said, the outrage must be must be universal throughout this world, throughout this country. And of course, it's not going to be. Uh, you see people that are on the side of, of these, these terrorist attacks. Again, people in our own government who are refusing to speak out against it. I, I find that to be atrocious, just to be totally outrageous. I want to play a little bit of um, Tom Lamas on uh, uh, NBC a report, uh, and this is a many-tiered attack, a many-tiered uh, response. Uh, and let, let me put this up on the screen. An invasion 
an estimated 150 people still being held captive by Hamas after they were ripped from their loved ones and taken across the border, including Americans. Tonight, we'll talk to a brother and sister desperate for word on their missing relatives who disappeared during Saturday's attack. Back here at home, the major development in Washington, Republicans in the House nominating Steve Scalise to take over as Speaker. The final obstacle he still has to cross. Plus, Hurricane Lydia slamming into Mexico as a deadly cat for... Well, folks, the outlining this, of course, is, is, is the, uh, the, the hostages uh, about how is the U.S. going to respond? How are we going to respond to this attack israel is our number one ally how is the u.s gonna is it just gonna have warships go there in a show of strength or how are we going to get involved this area in you cannot get into egypt you can't get into israel the only place to go is the mediterranean sea and at the northern border a separate part right up here there's been an exchange of gunfire as well. Hezbollah, militant Islamic group inside Lebanon, firing rockets across that border. Israeli forces launching rockets in return, and residents in those border towns ordered to stay inside. But tonight, the region to watch is the south, where Israel has now declared the entire region around Gaza, this entire region here, a military zone. The firepower of the Israeli arsenal already on full display. We have seen it night after night in towns across that military zone. And back here at home, mounting pressure tonight for President Biden to take action as Hamas threatens to execute those hostages still being held captive. Now the press is going to shout to me, and many of you are, that, you know, what are you doing to bring these, get these folks home? If I told you, I wouldn't be able to get them home. Folks, there's a lot we're doing, a lot we're doing. I have not given up hope of bringing these folks home. Also tonight, the Secretary General of the United Nations calling for the immediate release of all hostages held in Gaza, writing civilians must be protected at all times. That looming land invasion adding even more urgency to that impossibly dire hostage crisis. Straight ahead, we're going to have two experts on the military strategy, including a former officer in the Israeli Defense Force. They're going to join us live with full analysis of what that ground offensive could look like, but maybe the bigger question, what the end game for Israel will be here. But first, let's go to NBC chief foreign correspondent who leads us off tonight, Richard Engel in Israel. Israeli troops were caught off guard by Hamas's surprise terror attack. Now they're taking the initiative. Israeli forces are streaming south and digging in to target the Hamas-run Gaza Strip with artillery, tanks, and soldiers. The ground offensive could start at any time. For the last five days, Israel has been bombing Gaza to weaken Hamas and has cut off the power and water. Israel's defense minister promises what's coming next will reshape Gaza forever. We will reach all places, he says. Hamas wanted to change the situation. It will change back 180 degrees, and they will regret this moment. As the military buildup picks up pace, Israel has declared the entire area around Gaza a military zone. Israel has brought in enough tanks and armor for a full-scale ground war and is now mobilizing the more than 360,000 reservists called up for national service. A new phase of this conflict is about to begin, and there will be many casualties. So, folks, it seems like, you know, of course, uh, 
one of the things that everyone is asking about is that how did this occur? How did this intelligence snafu, and usually Israel has some of the best intelligence in the world, how was there a lack of intelligence? How did they not know about this? And apparently these attacks were being planned for over a year, over a year. And how did they miss this? Uh, unbelievable. Like it's it's something that usually, again, Israel has some of the best security in the world. And when we hear that they, they just didn't have any information on this, they were taken totally by surprise. I find that to be very scary because could this happen in the U.S.? Remember, we used to think that we were invulnerable, at least before 9-11, right? We thought we were invulnerable. So we realized, no, we're just as vulnerable as everyone else. And when I see this picture, what would stop, what could stop someone from doing that in the United States? Is there something that could stop that? Do we have something that Israel doesn't have? The intelligence. Where was the intelligence for this? Uh, just totally outrageous. And again, folks, as a 9-11 first responder, we were taken by surprise on that day, weren't we? And our intelligence had information about the attacks that were about to come, yet in some way we didn't take heed. We somewhat ignored it. Tim, uh, good afternoon to you there in Israel. That, that, that's what everybody in Israel is living with now. Uh, they, get a, they get a beep on their phone and they've got 20 seconds to hide. The states of people being on edge is like nothing I've ever seen here before. I've been coming to Israel reporting for years and this is different. This feels existential. People are used to rockets coming over, but what happened on Saturday has put this country on edge. People are stockpiling, uh, the bars and shops are empty. And there's a terrible fear here that once Israel goes in to deal with Hamas in the south, right. that Hezbollah on the north might take that as an opportunity to kick off. And the refrain I keep hearing from people is, we just hope that America's got our back on the north. Yeah, indeed. And we look uh, we look at the city center of Gaza and we can see more missile strikes. Now, as I look at, at the scene where you were at, it, it looks uh, a lot of green people there on the grass. Uh, it looks peaceful. But the people who are there have just seen the most horrific things people can see because these are survivors, right? Never has an idyllic image been such a mismatch. The people here wandering around a, a kibbutz hotel come from a kibbutz in the south, Kvaratar, where there was a scene of slaughter. A modern-day pogrom took place in the early hours of Saturday morning. Of the thousand or so residents there, they think around 100 have died um, and uh, at least another 18 are missing. I, I, I spoke to... Uh, a, a guy, Abby, just a few moments ago, his son, Alon, who is in his mid-twenties, can't be found. And he said there were either two things. Either his body was so destroyed by the terrorists that they can't identify him, or he's been kidnapped and he's in Gaza with Hamas. Right. 
quite quite the choice. And those are stories you hear time and time and time again from residents in these kibbutzes in the south, these peaceful villages, which were the scene of modern day slaughter. Indeed, and talking about that young boy, um, I, I know you've spoken to parents of a missing 19 year old who would almost prefer she be dead than be kidnapped. It's, it, I heard from uh, somebody, I was on a, a kibbutz, um, but every uh, evacuation and another hotel down at the Dead Sea, and someone said to me yesterday that they heard a father celebrating. Why was he celebrating, Steve? Because he'd found out his child was dead. Dead, not kidnapped. It's unbelievable to go back just a couple of days to be in a, in a crazy situation where you're celebrating the death of your child compared to the alternative that they've been taken by Hamas to Gaza for a fate that no one knows. They would rather be dead than have their child. It's sort of tough to listen to, folks. And uh, again, uh, we, the citizens of this world, need to be outraged over this. We need to be, you know, when we hear the rallying cry of, of the Holocaust, uh, never again. And guess what? It's happened again. And it's something that we can't even imagine again we um we saw a little bit of this during um during 9/11 uh we didn't um have anyone occupy our country uh but we we had a little picture of this so i think you know violence and and terrorist attack was brought to our country on september 1st 2001 and in a country like Israel that lives with this every single day, it, it's sort of a scary thing. And now, as you heard in one of the reports, that they're going to make sure that this doesn't ever happen again. And they're going to change the whole makeup of the Middle East through this war. And we're backing Israel. The United States of America is backing Israel as our strongest ally. Let's play a little bit of this. Good to have you. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks, the war is widening. That's pretty clear if you look at what Hezbollah has been doing to the north and, of course, what Hamas uh, has already done uh, along the Gaza area. That was just the scenario that a lot of people feared. Um, what do you make of it? Well, that is a nightmare scenario. To contain this uh, war in Gaza is really the key here. If it escalates with Hezbollah to the north out of Lebanon, uh, they have 100,000 rockets. Uh, Hezbollah does, which would overload the Iron Dome. It's not capable of, of protecting from that many rockets. And so, you know, with Iran playing a role in this, which I know the administration doesn't want to talk about, with uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon, with the ISIS, radical Islamists in Syria, and others threatening a jihad movement to Jerusalem, uh, the, the last thing we want is an escalation of this war. And the best way to do that is through deterrence uh, by sending our aircraft carriers and, and, and frigates to the Mediterranean as a warning sign not to escalate. You know, Chairman, you talk about warning signs. Our own Jackie Heinrich had raised this with John Kirby at the White House today, whether there had been, you know, early signals or warnings of this attack last week by Hamas. This is from the White House briefing a few moments ago. 
Can you speak to the reports that Israel was warned by Egypt? I can't. McCall from Foreign Affairs made that allegation this morning, saying that that was something that uh, members were told in on the Intel or on the Foreign Affairs Committee. So, has that been discussed at all, or is that something you're looking into? I can't speak to specific intelligence matters. Again, there will be a time to, to look back at this, as we always do, and we will. Right now, we're sharpening the intelligence gathering and cooperation and sharing with Israel, as we should, since they're involved in active operations, and we're making sure that they get the tools they need. All right, so your intelligence might be saying one thing, Chairman Don Kirby might be holding cards close to his vest, his and at the White House says another. Who's right? Well, we do know the Egyptian intelligence did uh, uh, refer this to Israel. And I can't get into any more depth than that, but I do think there was a threat stream out there. It was a failure of intelligence. And, and you know, we had a classified briefing that I moderated with the entire house today. Uh, and we're gonna have to get to the bottom of what, what went wrong. Why, what, how, they planned for almost a year, Hamas did, to make this uh, horrible invasion attack on Israel. And yet uh, there were no warning signs in advance. Uh, when the Egyptians did uh, warn uh, Israeli officials, uh, obviously uh, uh, there wasn't enough done to stop it. Um, this concerns me, not just with respect to Hamas, but what, what about our intelligence on Hezbollah? What about our intelligence on Iran? They say there's no clear link to Iran. I, I, I disagree with that. The Iran gives them $100 million a year and we know that a lot of the weapons systems they get come straight out of Iran. Uh, so the idea that Iran's not complicit or doesn't have any, any fingerprints on this is absolutely laughable, I think, from an intelligence standpoint. Can I go standpoint. back, though, Chairman? You, you raise a valid point in Iran. A lot of people are wanting to know whether this is just semantics the administration is playing, is what, what, what type of aid or, or, or planning was involved here. But back to this Egyptian warning, was it to the point of, of saying, Hamas was going to lead a multi-pronged attack on Israel. Was it that blunt, that blatant? You know, again, I can't get into specific details, but a warning was made from the Egyptian intelligence to the Israelis. So, folks, there you have it, an intelligence failure. And similar to some of the intelligence failures we had uh, during 9-11, uh, absolutely, we had intelligence. There was information pre-9-11 that uh, there were some folks down in Florida taking flight lessons, and they only wanted to know how to fly the plane while it was up in the air. They didn't care to learn how to take off a land. Uh, that, was, that was seen to be a little suspect, but yet it wasn't suspect enough for someone to act upon it and someone to do something about it. Uh, and that's, that's a little disturbing too, because um, again, they just had had an intelligence failure in Israel and look what happened as a result of the intelligence failure. I'm going to play a little bit of this. This is about how the NYPD is responding to this and potential threats at home. Solidarity with Israel. You're looking at City Hall and in the Empire State Building as well. And solidarity aside, security now top of mind at synagogues, not only in the five boroughs, but across the tri-state. It's something I spoke with New York Governor Kathy Hochul about today. As deadly missile strikes continue over the Gaza Strip, the NYPD guards both the Israeli and Palestinian consulates in New York City. 
which has the largest Jewish population outside of Israel. Today, Temple Emmanuel Rabbi Joshua Davidson prayed for the victims. Pray for peace for all innocents caught in the crossfire of this hateful war against the Jewish state, Palestinians and Israelis alike. I want to be clear that there are currently no credible or specific threats against the Jewish community in the five boroughs. But as always, we, we remain vigilant. The NYPD is prepared. Although no immediate threat, Mayor Adams is vowing to keep New Yorkers safe. So is Governor Kathy Hochul, seen attending this evening synagogue service, condemning the militant group Hamas for its surprise attack on Israel on a Jewish holiday. The state police that I deployed early this morning are protecting our state assets as well as making sure that the synagogues and yeshivas and cultural centers are all protected as well. I spoke with Governor Hochul by phone about how she plans to keep New Yorkers safe. Instead of being filled with joy and celebration, there's this sorrow and deep, deep sadness. Over on Long Island, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman is also vowing to protect all residents. We are going to do everything in our power to make sure that they are safe. Bruce Wakeman is also Jewish. He says Long Island has hundreds of thousands of Jewish residents. Nationally, the FBI and Department of Homeland Security say there are no credible threats to the U.S., but they're urging local law enforcement to remain vigilant. There are a couple other important notes here to take mind of. The FAA urging the U.S. airlines and pilots who are still flying into Israel to, their words, use caution when flying in Israeli airspace. Ben-Gurion Airport, which is right outside Tel Aviv, remains open tonight. And as the U.S. weighs its response to this attack, keep in mind, there is no speaker in the House of Representatives. That could prevent giving an aid packages, for instance, to the Israeli military. All questions that will be raised in the coming days as Congress tries to stop the chaos that surrounds. So, folks, just with uh, New York City and, uh, of course, the United States in itself, uh, higher vigilance, of course, uh, remain vigilant. We've heard that. Uh, before 9-11 that we need to remain vigilant. If you see something, say something. That's been the old rallying cry. But then there was also a a report that uh, a former Hamas leader calling for a day of jihad on Friday. That's tomorrow. Uh, And I'll I'll play a little bit of this and we'll see what uh, the report they have on this, this story here following that in our newsroom. Hi, Alexis. Hi, Dana. Yeah, we're getting in that new video and some new information. Also, an alarming alert from a former leader of Hamas calling for a day of jihad on Friday, telling Muslims to take to the streets across the world and protest against Israel. Also telling people of neighboring countries to join the fight against Israel. Specifically, Dana asking Qatar, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Egypt, the people there, to stand up and fight back. So the man who's saying all this is Khalid Mashal. He heads the Hamas diaspora office. He's actually in Qatar. Uh, He's been posting a lot, actually posting that audio and videotape just in the past few days. Um, And he's also telling people to head to the squares and the streets 
of the Arab and Islamic world, saying we declare Friday, the Friday of the flood, as a day of general mobilization, rather, in our Arab and Islamic worlds and among the free people of the world. So that's a statement that was coming in just a short time ago, saying it's a day to rally and support and offer aid to the people and participate actively. So we do see some of the areas here in New York City, Dana, which has such a large Jewish population, the largest outside of Israel, kind of trying to harden up those soft targets, like some of the synagogues. And we've also seen the NYPD going to be all coming in in full uniform tomorrow. And because of all these protests that they're calling for us, we'll have to see how it all plays out here. Dana. There's a high level of concern about it. Alexis, thank you. So folks, um, that's my report for today. Um, we're going to stay, of course, on top of this story is it's probably the number one story right now. Uh, what's going on and it affects everyone in this world, not just the people in Israel, not just the people in the Middle East, but everyone in this world and everyone in this world, uh, fair-minded people, loving people should definitely come out against this terrorist attack by Hamas against Israel. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a great day, everyone. So just sitting in the